And welcome into Embrace Debate, your weekly Carolina Panthers centric debate show here on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, powered by the Fans First Sports Network. Go follow both on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow the Keep Pounding Podcast Network at KP Pounding underscore FFSN. And of course, follow Fans First at Fans First underscore SN. Uh, you can catch us every Thursday, 1030 a.m. live here on YouTube on the Tobacco Road YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Each week, joined by Cody from the Carolina Cat Chronicles and Monty from the Four Man Rush, two well-known Panther podcast creators, uh, content creators here in our community. What's going on, folks? How y'all doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just making fun of uh, Monty's terrible quarterback takes on Twitter, man. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, man, we're, we're going to get into those 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 QB talks here shortly, but I'm, I'm doing good, Dan, man. It's going to be good to uh, pack up Cody here uh, shortly, uh, you know, talking nah, about Right, practice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can join nah. us every week again. This is one of the more unique pods that are out in terms of uh, combining multiple uh, Panther content creator brands together for one thing for you guys, and normally we jump right in to it um shout out to kieran uh panther super fan friends with us on facebook checking in with us this morning um just a lot of folks just streaming in right now it's getting ready uh and if you don't get a chance to watch it live you can always catch it at your lunchtime on thursday just flip over to the youtube channel and you can check it out there uh please subscribe and subscribe to the keep pounding podcast network on whatever podcast platform you may listen to spotify anchoring any of those um starting out let's just get off with the big question here uh, I've seen a lot of uh, Panther fans kind of talk about potentially trying to do this. Curious about what your thoughts are on this. The Indianapolis Colts have made uh, running back Jonathan Taylor available for trade. Uh, should the Panthers pursue him? Um, let's start off with Cody. What do you think here? Do you think the Panthers should kick the tires on Jonathan Taylor? Man, not no, but heck no, man. Are you kidding me? I swear, Panther fans never learned their lessons, man. You know, uh, overpaying running backs, bro, that's a road that leads to nowhere, man. One, not only are we going to give up future draft capital uh, to go and get Jonathan Taylor, we already don't have a first-round pick in 2024, but you're going to give up even more draft capital to go get a running back that's been playing in the NFL for a few years now, and you're going to pay him close to $20 million a year? Like, if we were going to do that, we should have just kept Christian McCaffrey. It makes absolutely no sense to me, um, you know. Uh, and listen, a, a lot of people hate having this discussion, but every year there are running backs that are drafted either in the late rounds or go undrafted that go on to have breakout years for for whatever team drafts them or, or, or ends up signing them. As much as we hate to admit it, the the running back position has been devalued just because you can get these high talent guys in later and later rounds to me, it just, it isn't necessary, man. And you're going to have to pay Brian Burns and Panther fans are going to want to pay Derek Brown next year. Jeremy Chen is also coming up. So it's like, there's not enough to go around. I would rather have that capital and that money available to go out and get another wide receiver next year. If one becomes available in free agency. So that's a nah for me, dog. What you think, Monty? Should the Panthers kick the tires on Jonathan Taylor? Because I saw a large contingent. But you know how it goes. Whenever a big name gets released or cut or put out for a trade, there's a large contingent of Panther fans that are just like automatically, we should go get him. We should go get him. And DeAndre Hopkins was probably the last one that was a big name that there was yeah. side for it. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Jonathan Taylor, should the Panthers uh, kick the tires on this? 
Well, I'm on the complete opposite side of Cody. Um, you know, and, and this is it's a two part. <laughs> Des, I know you're happy about that. Uh, <laughs> it's a two part answer here for me. So, do I realistically think we are going to? No. Um, and for some reasons, what Cody highlighted, do I think that that means we shouldn't? Absolutely not. I think that we should uh, be all in for elite talent. Um, and I got quite a few different reasons for why. Um, to start with the devaluing of running backs here. You know, I feel like if you don't have Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or uh, Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you need a stacked offense. Like, regardless how you feel about it, you know, you you need a stacked offense to compete in this year's, uh, I mean, this league to, in, in today's time, man. Um, that I mean, so I feel like to turn your nose up to elite talent is is silly, in my in my opinion. You know, we could talk about draft picks and, and the value you can get with running backs here in later rounds, but realistically speaking, you're – there's on going I'm willing to bet there's going to be no late round running back to come out this year that's going to have a better year than what uh you know than what Taylor is potentially to have you know he's a top 10 15 player in the NFL period you know it doesn't matter regardless of position there's not going to be a late round running back that's going to have a better year than Taylor I, I'm willing to put money on that so I mean so, so that, that's that so it's like so even if you can find good value or great value at running back you know you're, we're talking about finding a potentially good running back two versus a top 15 player in the nfl it's not comparable you know we're, we're not even comparing apples to apples at this point um so you i mean you have that factor then you factor in the contract part of it you know when we were when christian mccaffrey was the highest paid running back in the nfl that pre didn't prevent us from going after Luvu. That didn't pre uh, uh, prevent us from getting Reddick. That didn't prevent us from getting uh, Gilmore. That didn't prevent us from getting Bozeman or Corbett. So, you know, so if we're even talking about the highest paid running back at this point, that's with Christian McCaffrey being the highest paid running back in the NFL, and that's with him missing games, we still was able to add elite talent to the roster. So I don't even want to hear the argument that we, that you can't build around your team with, by still paying a running back because you can. I mean, we've literally proven that to be true. On top of the fact we're not paying Miles Sanders almost anything. You know, if you're looking at – if you just do the breakdown of Miles Sanders' contract, he has an out after year two, so you can't cut him after next year. And then when you just break down his guaranteed money over two years, he's making about five, five mil a year. Like, bro, that's that's pennies for a running back position and for a guy that just came off the top 10 years. So it's like – so so when you say adding elite talent, yeah, I get the argument about, you know, the, the devaluing of running backs, and I do understand – that argument there, we're not just talking about any running back. We're talking about a top 15 player in the league. And I feel like that's kind of where that disconnect gets, you know, gets lost at because again, we're talking about an elite talent and you can never have too much elite talent on offense, but that's kind of just why I stand there. I, I'm kind of in the middle. Cause I can see both sides of it. Like in terms of, I, I, I wouldn't mind them looking for another running back. I'm not necessarily sure that that's going to be Jonathan Taylor. Cause I think he's going to be too expensive <laughs> for what, uh they need there and i think some of it has to do with the fact that uh we haven't seen miles sanders so i think a lot of the comments is coming from that that we haven't seen him played all preseason he might play friday uh from my understanding but we hadn't seen him so we don't know exactly what we've got from him and if unless you watched him in philly the past two years you really don't know a whole lot about him other than name and looking at stats so i think yeah that's pushing the narrative that people are like well i want someone that we've seen that we know that's a top 10 guy taylor uh, I understand the Colts want a package bigger than what uh, the 49ers gave up for McCaffrey. So for me, that's an automatic no. Like, no, <laughs> absolutely well, not. And the fact that Miles Sanders had almost 1,300 rushing yards last year behind a good offensive line. Another that's aspect to this whole equation, if you have a good offensive line that knows how to run block, I'm sorry, man. It, you do not have to have a top-tier running back talent 
to make that offense run. And I said this to Monty on Twitter, with the good old line in front of both of them, what is the real difference in what you're expecting Jonathan Taylor to do versus Miles Sanders? A huge Miles difference, Sanders. bro. It's a huge I mean, difference. What? With what? They're both good pass catchers. Miles Sanders can go between the tackles. He can bounce it to the outside. What What is Jonathan Taylor able to do Bro, that Miles okay. Sanders is not in this offense. When you okay, if to, to answer that question, when you compare both running backs, when they both had the both the best offensive line in the league, bro, you talk about thir- barely almost getting thirteen hundred yards. Taylor ran for eighteen hundred yards and had like nine hundred receiving yards. They're they're not comparable, bro. Even it was all offense, of their offense. It was that the all of their offense. That, okay, no wide receivers, but that because that, I mean that's they still had good other good weapons on that offense. And again, if we're you you mentioned offensive line, so if we're talking about best offensive line compared to best offensive of line. Jonathan Taylor was a mile better than Miles Sanders. And, and, and again, I don't think Miles Sanders is a bad running back, but we're, we're not comparing apples to apples here. We're talking about an all-pro running back versus a guy that just had his best year behind the best offensive line in the league. It's not comparable, bro. Like Again, we're talking about one of the best players in the league to a guy that's not even ranked top 15 at his own position. It's not comparable. I mean, that's that's why you get the pay difference. That's why you get the production difference. It's, I don't think that Miles Sanders – and I, I hate when we get into the argument of what can this guy do better than the other guy because that's – again, we had the same argument when talking about Matt Corral versus Bryce Young. And, and, and realistically speaking, it's a complete – it's a mild difference between the two. And it's just the same with, you know, Matt Corral and Bryce Young. There's The talent difference is about which one – which is why one is an all-pro running back, one, is, one isn't, which is why one went number one overall, which one – the other was a third-round qu- quarterback. And I feel like that's the reality of it. The NFL tells y'all how they feel about these players all the time. Matt, Miles Sanders didn't even get a, get an invite to the little running back meeting. So they tell y'all there, Miles Sanders isn't the guy that y'all think he is, even if he is a good running back. And I feel like that's where, again, we're having that disconnect. Because Taylor is a, is, is, a, is a stud, bro. And Miles Sanders is a good player. But they're not comparable, bro. They're, they're just not. See, I do wonder, though, just, and that's good stuff there, but I do wonder if Jonathan Taylor is a product of the Colts' offensive line and not the other way around, which means whoever ends up with Jonathan Taylor is not going to get the Jonathan Taylor that was in Indianapolis because he's not bringing the offensive line right. with him. But so can you not say the same for Miles Sanders? Maybe. I, I don't know. But that's we, my we, point in and of itself. If you have an offensive line that's doing its job, the difference between Jonathan Taylor and Miles Sanders is not as big as you think it is, man. Especially if you have wide receivers that are going to be doing their job. Like, we're not going to have Jonathan Taylor here and become a crutch to our offense that we have to run him so many different times a game, just like we did Christian McCaffrey. We're doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I don't think, again, even with Christian, bro, it wasn't a crutch when we were using, again, Christian McCaffrey's just the best offensive player yes, on our team. it was, though. Bro, but, it, but, but again, but, but, okay, but so, yeah. I, so I'll, I'll ask that question. So was it a crutch with San Francisco? Because he's a, he goes to San Francisco and is still the best offensive weapon on that team, and they filter that offense through Christian McCaffrey. But they had more weapons. Mean? They had more weapons to choose from. Yeah, they had Debo They had different teams. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was more of a product of we had who, who was our offensive coordinator compared to San Francisco, though? Who was our coach compared to San Francisco? That's true. Like oh, it, true. If, yeah. if we're, going, oh, if we're true. going to talk about the system, let's com- let's talk about the system. We had Chris McCaffrey in a terrible system with almost no weapons compared to him going to a system that fit him. And, and then we don't know if Miles Sanders fits this system. We just pray it does. But if we're so if we're even talking about system, I'm taking the better player if we're if we're going by system because again, 
you know, Taylor has proven to be the better player if we're talking about a, a run-first offense, and that's what they both were in. Miles Sanders was in the run-first offense. Taylor's in the run-first offense, and Taylor was a much better player. It still comes I, down to me. It still comes down to that offensive line. Like, I don't – it's different when, like, you see somebody like Barry Sanders racking up 1,800 yards, and you know his line was trash. You know that literally he was doing it on his own as opposed to – Taylor doing it with the Colts where the Colts always have a good offensive line. So it, it, I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't think he's worth the amount of money he's going to be looking for. Plus he, he was injured. He was injured a lot uh, past couple of years too. Well, so you got to take that into account. You can use us as an example. Like last year, we made Deontay Foreman probably look way better than he actually is as a player because he was running behind a, a disciplined offensive line that was dedicated to running the rock like 40 times a game. Like you knew you're going to get lathered up. So like he kind of benefited. Well, he did. He benefited from it. But do y'all uh, think this offensive line – is as, good, is as good as Phillies? Or do y'all think our offensive line is as good as Phillies? I think it can be. I don't know if it, it's not currently right now the way it's constructed, and we'll get to that in just a second. But um, from what we saw last year and, and knowing who's coaching them and James Campion, I think they have the potential to be that for sure for what's on the line, but they need to get the complete line together. Corbett has to be back. Uh, well, we'll talk about it here in just a second. Like, But it, the potential is there. I, I'd say the potential is there. Say like in two years from now, what I call the Panthers offensive line, a top three unit in the league. I think that potentially is possible. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen because again, we haven't really seen any of the scheme for the Panthers yet. Like I think people are overreacting in terms of uh, expecting them to score and all this stuff in the preseason. And Frank Wright has been clear as day in terms of what his intentions are. He could give a damn about preseason, like for real, like he don't care. <laughs> like yeah, he's, sure, yeah. reps. That's all they're trying to do. They're not and trying to get out without injury. They don't care about the score. They don't care if they won it, lost it, whatever. He can say all that just to appease the fans, but you can tell from his comments that that's not the objective here. That's not their goal. They did not want to show Atlanta or New Orleans anything, offensively, defensively, and that's why these games look the way they do is because they're just not showing anything, and they're not going to show anything even on Friday. So for all the Panther fans that are – there's a lot of y'all in the comment section right now. For y'all expecting them to come out and score 30 points in preseason week three – that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's not going to happen. They're not going to explode for something like that. Uh, let's move real quick over to question number two for the day. Should Panther fans be concerned about Icky at left tackle heading into the regular season? Um, I've seen two different sides to this. There are some concerns. There's some people that are very concerned. And there are others that are just like, you know, they kind of nitpick three plays out of two games uh, to make Icky look bad. There's others on the line that have done similar things. Monty, I'll let you start off with this one. Should we be concerned about Icky going into year two at left tackle? Um, yeah, I think this is a great segment to pivot from, you know, our last segment because I don't one know to answer your question. I don't think Icky, uh, we should be concerned. You know, I think if we're going to, like you said, you know, we're not going to be concerned about preseason. I think, you know, that's what preseason is for, you know, to, to definitely work out these kinks here. Uh, you know, the mistakes that he has made, I believe, are definitely fixable. And I feel like the upside that he has at offensive tackle it, you know, trumps kind of, you know, the, the mistakes that we've seen so far in preseasons, you know, so I, I'm not really concerned there. Uh, but to to the point in, you know, and I know Cody <laughs> is concerned about uh, Icky at offensive tackle. If that's the argument we're having and you and especially if you're strong about wanting to move Icky from offensive tackle to guard. How is it that you're so strong? How is it that you're that confident about this offensive line? Then that's my question to Cody. Because again, it's it's no way you can uh, in the same breath say, "Oh well, I think Icky is a, uh, you know is going to be a problem at offensive tackle. We should move him to guard, and he's arguably our our best offensive tackle that we have outside 
uh, or, or on the left side, it's no way that you say, well, let's move him into guard. But then I'm still confident that this offensive line can produce enough for Miles Sanders to have the year that y'all, uh, you know, that or mimic the year that he had last year. I just I don't think that makes sense, you know, because, again, you're you're wanting us to move an offensive tackle or move or put, make, make a complete uh, position change before the season starts. And then in the same breath saying, well, I think this offensive line still could be a top 10 or top tier offensive line in the league. I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Um, before I move over to uh, Cody, real quick, uh, I just wanted to double check it before I popped it up here. I've got some breaking news. Um, Isaiah Simmons is being traded from the Cardinals to the New York Giants for a seventh round pick. In I'm so upset, man. Oh, that I'm is so uh, upset, dude. We could have done the same oh, thing, bro. From a first round pick. Uh, what the hell we do, man? What are you talking about? We, nah. Bro, we, we, for a seventh round pick. But we could have had this dude. That would have been so much better. Cardinals were playing. Right. Okay, but this is what I'm saying. Okay, Hassan Reddick was in Arizona for three years, and nobody thought anything of this man because they were playing him out of position. Why couldn't something similar happen to Isaiah Simmons, man? That guy is a freak athlete. You can put him at free safety, or you can put him at linebacker, man. Let him flow sideline to sideline. The fact of the matter is they gave up a seventh-round pick. Bro, we couldn't do that. That's wild to me, man. We already have him. His name's Jeremy Chin, right? I, like, we already have him. Yeah, yeah, but they're going to be in the defensive backfield. I'm talking about playing him as a linebacker. Mm, I don't know. I mean, that just is like I, one of those I, things I, where, like, the Giants were sniffing around and cars like, yeah, you can have him. Just I mean, I won't die on this hill, man. I'm a Clemson fan, so yeah, I don't oh, even there it know. Is. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, like, I still do think he'll be – I think he'll be a better player – uh, than than what he's seen with the Cardinals so far, man. So give I, me I, uh, go, go ahead real quick, buddy. I, I would just say I think comparing them to Reddick is it isn't fair because you know Reddick still had that breakout year the, his last year in in Arizona before they traded him or before he left Arizona as well. So I feel like you know we've never saw that breakout year with Isaiah Simmons and he's played you know multiple positions. They've tried him at different positions. He just hasn't panned out. So um, I don't think, yeah, I think, you know, we have multiple guys that can fit the role. You know, if we're going to be honest, Brandon Smith can fit the role of uh, Isaiah Simmons for, you know, whoever would want. Yeah, man, I, it sucks, though. Yeah, uh, Cody, your thoughts here. Should we be, be uh, us, Panther Nation, should we be concerned about Ikea Kwanu at left tackle? Or mm-hmm. are we just kind of nitpicking a couple of preseason games where I know one of them was miscommunication. Uh, uh, Skylar Callahan was telling us on Believe in Panthers earlier in the week that one of them, uh, Icky said he thought he had heard a certain uh, verbiage or word. It was actually something else, which caused the miscommunication. They've changed all that language, which makes sense. So some of it's just kind of like, you want this to happen now. You want it to happen in the preseason. That's what it's for. Like you want them to, to figure this stuff out now, not week one on the road at Atlanta. So your thoughts here, are you concerned about Icky at left tackle or mm-hmm. just blowing uh, so, more than it should be? So listen, I want to preface my comments. By saying, I want to see Icky Aquano during the season at left tackle before I completely jump the ship on him. But what I am saying is there is a lot of revisionist history when talking about the Aquano. Because going back to that draft year, if you remember, the debate was between Icky Aquano and Charles Cross. Icky was the better run-blocking, more dominant at-the-line uh, offensive lineman. And Charles Cross, coming from Mississippi State, was in that air raid offense. He was the pass-protecting offensive tackle. We knew that as a player, Ikea Kwanda would have to grow in his pass sets and in pass protection in order for him to be that dominant left tackle that we all want him to be. What I'm saying is 
if Ike Aquano continues to struggle the way we have seen him struggle, and that's undeniable, man. Two games in a row, we have seen Ike beaten on speed rushes against players that he should have been able to lock down. But if we continue to see these problems, the answer is already on the roster, man. Brady Christensen, Matt Rule knew before the start of the year last year that Ike Aquano was going to be the left tackle and Brady Christensen was going to be the left guard. There was no real competition between those two, just like there was never a competition between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. They knew what they were going to do. Brady Christensen never did anything to lose that left tackle position, and people feel like it's some kind of an insult when you say move Ike to left guard, like guard is some devalued position compared to left tackle. In today's NFL, your center and your two guards create the pocket for your quarterback to be able to work from, step up into, and distribute the football. And if you have a dominant left guard to be able to run behind, that is invaluable to your offense. So to me, it's, you know, when everyone talks about Brady Christensen, they say, oh, well, put him as a swing tackle. Well, that's a nice way to say he can just be riding the bench instead. Everyone wants Zavala at left guard. And in my opinion, until Brady loses one of those positions, he is one of the most dependable offensive linemen on the team right now. And his play style is better suited to play tackle than guard. And almost everyone agrees with that assessment. That's why they want him to play that swing tackle role. So if he continues to struggle, swap those two players all day. Okay, I got a couple questions. So has uh, Iquanu played left guard before? No. Yes. He, uh, yes, he did. Where? Where did he play? He, he, he played snaps at left guard at uh at NC State. At State. Okay. So not as many as left tackle, but he did play that position. Majority snaps. Exactly. I was gonna say we're at left tackle though. So his his comfort his his position his natural position is left tackle. But we're saying that if we need to salvage him. Your your thought is to push him inside the left guard and sw- yes. switch him with uh, his strength at the point of attack on the line is by far his biggest asset. And I feel like you're playing to his strengths if you're putting him at guard compared to left tackle. And when you do look at his reps at left guard at NC State, he was dominant. Absolutely dominant. Uh, so, okay, my other part was, uh, and Dan kind of echoes it here, Icky would feel downgraded getting switched out. It would make him feel better. Uh, Cody, you were mentioning that there's there's not much of a difference between left tackle and left guard. That I'll push back on. To me, the left tackle is the second most important position on the entire team. Like, and we've got people like Lawrence Taylor to think for that. Like, that's why the left tackle gets paid so much money because they're protecting the quarterback. They're the, the number one asset. Usually the best defensive end is going up against that left tackle. So on that aspect, he has to get better. This is a top 10 pick. You know, like this is someone where I can't just abandon him after one year and kick him to the inside and just say, ah, oh, well, you know, experiment didn't work. I, I've got the probably the best offensive lineman coach in the league here, James Campion. Like if he can't get it right with him, then – He's not going to be a left tackle. It just is what it is. But I think the Panthers brass will understand that before we do. So I don't know if I'd kick him to the inside. I, I do know that Brady Christensen was like the highest rated left tackle on PFF the year he came out. Uh, yeah. I also know that Matt Rule never really gave him a chance at left tackle. Never right. saw him as that because his arms are too short or whatever nonsense that, uh, <laughs> that Rule was using. As Which is overcomable. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Like a lot of stuff he said didn't make any sense. But um I think Icky will be fine. I, well, some of it too. I'm I'm curious because we ran the ball so much the last like half of the year last year. Right. If it covered up some warts in his game, because 
if I'm not mistaken, he was the highest rated rookie lineman on PFF at the end of the year. Right. But, but again, that, the ball. <laughs> that, that, goes to, that goes to my point, though. Run blocking, that's where Icky excels. Pass protection, we knew going back to his NC State days that that's where he would need to continue to grow and improve. My, my last point, then I'll let Monte go, we'll move on or whatever. But we were just talking about Jonathan Taylor. Well, Jonathan Taylor had all of those yards for the Colts because they had a dominant left guard in the form of Quentin Nelson, who, by the way, was picked even higher than, than Icky was. So, like, I understand that the left tackle is the most glorified position of the offensive line. They're normally going up to, uh, against the best defensive ends. But in today's NFL, which is so pass-happy, in my opinion, I think that the pocket is more dictated by your center and your guards, thereby making that position even more important. That's all I'm saying. So uh, before we get to question number three for the day, and shout out to everybody that's uh, coming in to check us out right before you go to your uh, lunch breaks at work or if you're just kicking it at home and you stumbled across this, we really appreciate uh, the support, not just for Embrace Debate, but the entire Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter at KP Pounding underscore FFSN, uh, and on uh, Twitter at Tobacco Radio. Multiple shows, including this one, uh, The Cat Cave, um, Inside the Vault. They've had interviews with David Newton and Will Kunkel and uh, a lot of different big name beat writers and uh, stuff for the Panthers. So definitely go and check that out. A lot of Panther content there, especially as the season starts to build and we get closer to that September uh september start date so definitely uh go over there to get as much panther content as you can uh and follow fans first sports network on twitter at fans first underscore sn uh here with cody and monty here on embrace debate the main question i want to ask you guys today who's the team to beat in the nfc in your eyes right now uh not just the nfc south the entire nfc because all i see is that the nfc is trash the afc is crazy good and I, I feel like it's going to be one of those years where there's going to be a couple of teams in the NFC that pop up that no one's been talking about. They're going to be 10, 11 game winners. And we look back at the end of the year and be like, oh, how come we didn't see that this team was going to be this good? Who do you think can be the team to beat in the NFC in your eyes? Um, Cody, I'll let you go uh, first. Yeah. So I mean, there's really only two teams, and it's pretty much whoever goes first. Like me and Monty are going to pick between. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, not only did they make the Super Bowl last year, but they have every position that you could want. They have the dominant quarterback. Jalen Hurts is looking incredible. They have the defensive ends. They have the incredible draft class. They already have the all-pro players. And now, by the way, we're talking about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they're probably the leaders in the clubhouse to trade for Jonathan Taylor. So they're one of those teams right now that's just ridiculously loaded in the type of players and the talent that they have. I think their general manager, Howie Roseman, is probably the best general manager in the NFL. I think he's like the benchmark for what you want your GM to be. And um, I mean, partly the reason I picked them is just because uh, the the quarterback, too. Like, yeah, you can compare them with the 49ers, but uh, Philly has the quarterback that you have that you're more able to depend on. Um and I have some Sam Donald opinions, but that's a different show. You know, that's a that's hey, a boy, that, that, that's a different topic. Boy but. got named the backup quarterback yesterday for looking at, and he put that deal together himself. Pretty much, he chose to go to San Francisco, so he he uh, he glowed up. He uh, yeah, <laughs> he did his thing. <laughs> uh, Marty, your thoughts here? Who who's the team beating the NFC in your mind right now? Yeah, well, Cody took my answer entirely, so you know I'm kind of upset. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm gonna have to go San Francisco, if not Philly. Uh, yeah, I, I think San Francisco. All they need is a quarterback. Um, and Cody, you better not get on this uh, on here and talk about Sam Darnold. The, uh, the bro, don't make me, bro. Bro, don't <laughs> make me, bro. Don't make me, bro. <laughs> but no, uh, I think San Francisco is probably the second most complete team, if not the most complete team in um, you know, in the NFC. Again, like I said, they only, they only need a quarterback. They have the arguably the best defense in the NFC. Um, the best running back in uh, the NFC, you know, have arguably, you know, they have, uh, when you look at the offense completely, you know, they have the second best tight end in the league. They have, you know, probably a top 12 receiver in the league, you know, so the, the best uh, running back in the league there. So, you know, offensively, they, you know, they are built to, they are stacked as well. You know, and that's why I was going back to my point earlier. If you don't have a Patrick Mahomes or you don't have a Tom Brady and, you know, he's not in the league anymore. So if you don't have one of those two quarterbacks, you got to have one of these t- kind of type teams, you know, to compete I, realistically, you know, you got to have a stack team to compete. So those probably would be the two top two, in my opinion, you know, San Francisco is loaded, you know, if they, if they mess around and get a quarterback or if Purdy comes out and pr- produces again, you know, they can, they can definitely compete against with Philly, uh, you know, and I feel like they were a quarterback away from going to a Super Bowl themselves. So yeah, it, it probably would be for San Francisco as my second pick. I probably should have worded the question differently because I probably should have put who should who will be the surprise teams in the NFL because yeah Philly and 49ers have kind of been the talk all all off season in terms of the NFL uh, two names come to mind one Minnesota uh, and I didn't think about it until I watched that quarterback documentary on Netflix that had uh, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins and Pat Mahomes uh, I didn't I forgot Minnesota was like thirteen and four last year <laughs> they were really good uh, yeah. And and Kirk Cousins played really well last year. It's just they got in the playoffs and uh, couldn't do anything. But and then they let Dalvin Cook go. But that was I think that was more of a cap casualty more than anything else. I'm, yeah. I'm curious about them because he missed some games last year and they still were winning games. And that division's weaker with Aaron Rodgers gone. So Minnesota. I know people are high on Detroit right now. Um, and Dallas, like Dallas, is still sitting there. I feel like Dallas is. They will go as far as Dak Prescott takes them in terms of uh, turnovers. Like Dak Prescott likes to throw it to the other secondary for some reason the past couple of years. Really, ever since he came back from that injury, he's just been turnover prone. And if he can control that uh, under double digits, I think the Cowboys can win the NFC East, like even with the Eagles there. Like I, someone is going to have the Super Bowl hangover. Is all, all one of the two teams, either the Eagles or the Chiefs. I'm not betting it's going to be the Chiefs. I'm I'm betting it's probably going to be the Eagles. Like, there's going to be some things we see uh, in Jalen Hurts' game, like holes that teams have had a whole offseason to kind of figure out and exploit. And and they lost some players, too. The Eagles lost a lot of players in free agency. We've got one of them in Miles Sanders. So they're not exactly the same team, but everyone's kind of picking them. 49ers pretty much re- returned the same roster. Like, they – and now they're gonna have quarterbacks because <laughs> they didn't have quarterbacks in the play in the playoffs, and that's, that was ultimately their downfall. But Dallas and Minnesota, I'm kind of looking at them like, uh, oh, and Seattle. I was we actually need, gonna say Seattle. We, we need to talk about Seattle because Seattle is rebuilding what they had when uh, when Pete first got there. That kind of USC vibe, that that young, mm-hmm. hungry, long armed, like the secondary is real big. They're gonna run the ball. They've got wide receivers right now. Like they, Seattle, no one's talking about Seattle in that NFC West. And I feel like they could be the ones that actually rise up to challenge San Francisco. Anybody's thoughts on San, on uh, Seattle? 
Well, no, Seattle was actually going to be my pick. Uh, I, I was going to say, if we're going to say sleeper teams, I think, again, like I said, nobody's talking about Seattle right now. Uh, Geno had a great year. And if Geno can have another great year with the pieces they added, you know, because they had a great draft as well. Uh, you know, they added, a, you know, a lot of good pieces on, on the offensive side. So, you know, if they can – or Geno can have another great year, you know, Seattle's going to be a sneaky, uh, a sneaky good team. And we talked about bumping heads with San Francisco. Like, you know, they, they that's always a good game between them in that division. So, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that would be my uh, my pick. My pick if we're going about sneaky uh, quarterback or a sneaky team. Yeah, if we're going sneaky teams, I'm gonna say the Giants, man. Hmm. Like the Giants made it to the playoffs last year. Say what you want about Daniel Jones, you really need a quarterback that's good enough. And I feel like last year they proved that he's good enough. They have Dexter Lawrence, who I believe is a top two defensive tackle in the NFL. He gave Bradley Bozeman fits uh, last. Friday when we played. Um, I know that they have, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley coming back on a one-year deal. They drafted Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, yeah, who I, like I really liked a lot, tall, runs a 4-3. But they have the talent to be able to do something. Uh, so I think they could be a kind of a surprise team. You know I mean? They were in the playoffs, so it's not necessarily a surprise. But I feel like they could really make some waves, man. So, yeah, and I think that's going to be the fun part of the NFC because uh, we could be a surprise team, you know, depending on how some things go. And no one's picking the Panthers to win, you know, 11 wins, 12 wins or whatever. But the way the division is and the coaching staff, I mean, it's it's floating out. The schedule's easy or not easy. It's easier than some of the other schedules that some of these other teams have because we had a uh, second place, third place schedule that we're playing right now. So uh, we'll – Keep an eye on that. Uh, bonus question here before I get you guys out of here for the morning. Bigger injury for the Panthers right now. Wide receiver DJ Chark or running back Chuba Hubbard? Uh, both kind of carry pros and cons with both. Uh, Cody, have you had to choose from the two right now going into the third season or third week of preseason and the regular season week one season opener on the road? Which one is a bigger injury in your mind, uh, Chark or Hubbard? I mean, I'm probably one of Chuba Hubbard's biggest defenders. You know, yeah. pe most people don't have – too many good things to say about Chuba, but I feel like me and Monty are going to have the same answer as DJ Chark, and it's not even close, man. I mean, DJ Chark, just from what we were seeing in training camp, uh, he was looking like the number one wide receiver on our team. Like, people really sleep on how fast and tall and what kind of a catch radius DJ Chark has, and he has been really producing in our offense, you know, before the season has started. So, yeah, to me, that is uh, a lot bigger. And that's compounded by the fact that Terrace Marshall Jr. is also hurt right now. That's right. So, yeah. So, you know, when you combine those things, to me, it, the answer is DJ Chark and by a mile. Uh, Monty, Chark or Hubbard, which one's a bigger injury concern for you going into week three of the preseason and uh, week one season opener? Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I don't first. I don't think he should he be playing. You know, preseason anyway. You know, I feel like he after the second right. game. You know, I feel like it, him not playing preseason is perfect. You know, to give him that time to heal. But yeah, I, I definitely, especially with being a hamstring, I'm definitely probably a lot more concerned with Chark than I am Chuba. Uh, I, Cody's right. I'm not one of those guys that have a lot of great things to say about Chuba. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't. Um, particularly think that you know he would be a as big a loss you know on the, on the offensive side of the ball i think black honestly you know can carry the load uh at uh, running back too 
But um, but yeah, man, losing Chark and like Cody said, losing TMJ at the same time, you know, that kind of will hurt. It, you know, but I'll that say I'll say that say we're really going to see a lot of Mingo, you know, going to Week One, you know, and, and that's probably a good thing there. We're really going to see a lot of Mingo. We're really going to see a lot of Adam Thielen, a lot of Hurst, you know. So I feel like that's good. That it kind of can be a blessing in disguise, you know, because we're going to get a, a lot of reps with the rookie there. But yeah, man, losing Chark is is definitely going to hurt. You know, like Cody said, you know, you don't really realize how fast he is how big he is until you see him on the field and he he flat out runs past people you know and i feel like we're gonna miss that in the offense but we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see what, what bryce is made of this in week one if you know if they're not ready to go so you know what I mean? yeah for real uh dan yeah, Foote says, where's our speed at wide receiver now i guess shot smith um yeah he becomes the, the over the top guy until uh they get chark back i, I kind of see it as a, a potential blessing for both uh in terms of position wise the depth behind it and one of the things i've been seeing is that people are complaining about the depth uh, issue with the Panthers because they're seeing the second and third string kind of get whooped on uh, uh, Friday nights. Um, with Chark, yeah, it's going to give guys like a Shot Smith uh, a chance to kind of maybe secure a position that they maybe wouldn't have been able to secure before. With uh, Chuba, he has a, I think it's a high ankle sprain, if I'm not mistaken. So he might be out for multiple weeks. Uh, uh, Blackshear has an opportunity to kind of cement his yeah. position on his team uh with this opportunity it'll be right at the beginning of the year so uh i think that frank wright's offense is very run heavy uh i, I think that's gonna be the surprise that panther fans aren't going to be ready for week one we're gonna run the ball a lot uh and they're gonna use multiple backs so uh they're hubbard's gonna well when he comes back hubbard's gonna get some touches Blackshear's gonna get some touches sanders feels like a 20 to 25 touch type guy um so they're going to run the ball and they're going to help Bryce in that aspect. They're not going to ask Bryce to go out and throw it 40 times to win a football game uh, unless they have to. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. They're not going to dump it all on Bryce. They know he can take it all, but they're not going to do that week one. I feel like they're going to really attack Atlanta, uh, their interior, their defense, and run the football. So Blackshear's got a huge opportunity coming up here. Chark, it sounds like from what uh, Frank Wright was saying in his press conference the other day, that he didn't seem all that worried about it. It's more of a precautionary keeping them out. They don't want to, you know, like you said, Monty, with hamstrings, kind of want to rest it early. You don't want to keep playing on it and make it worse because that can linger the whole season. So I'm fine with them not playing him. I didn't want them to play any starters uh, game three. But Same. I, understand why. <laughs> I understand why they're doing it. I, was but... shocked I didn't play him. Go ahead, Monty. No, I was just saying I was shocked that I was just shocked that they were going to play him. You know that that was the shocking thing. Well, you know, I, I've been saying on multiple podcasts that you know when they took preseason game four away, that this preseason game three was now preseason game four, and that's wrong. It's actually the reverse. Like this game three is actually what game three used to be. Like when the starters would play the whole first half, and yeah, uh, you know, like they're treating it like a dress rehearsal. I thought that they would do that in game two, but they didn't. And they really treat game three in preseason still as that that game where they want those stars to play. And the part that where the light came on for me was when I realized the Jets were starting Aaron Rodgers in game three of the preseason. He hadn't played a preseason game in like three years, four years, something like that. And he's going to play in this game uh, this upcoming weekend for the Jets. That's what told me. And then Wright's comments about playing his starters, at least the offense. They're taking game three more seriously than they did the couple of weeks now. That doesn't mean Frank Wright cares about the preseason. Remember, I told y'all earlier, he does not give a damn about preseason, like, at all. <laughs> like, this is just for him to get reps and stuff in. But we might see some wrinkles we hadn't seen before, and I do expect his offense to be out there. He said about the same amount of time, but I could see them playing the whole first half, to be honest. Uh, I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. If I was the coach, and, and this might be unpopular, I would never play my starters in preseason. 
I would use game one, two, and three as an opportunity for all my depth pieces to get battle-tested and let them actually compete for a job on the Carolina Panthers. You might say, oh, you want them to be prepared for week one. You don't want them to be rusty. I would rather them be a little bit rusty earlier in the season than injured by the time we get to week five and six, especially seeing that we're already dealing with injuries, man. Like, to me, it just isn't worth it. I would never play my starters in the preseason. I was actually surprised they got this far with the the limited amount of injuries they've had. Uh, Usually, it feels like the Panthers kind of start stocking up on injuries from preseason week one onward, and we kind of got through unscathed for the most part of this preseason. There's not really any major injuries that have happened uh, so far. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Panthers taking on uh the kneecap biting detroit lions friday night eight o'clock uh on the panthers radio network and the panthers television network you can watch that locally uh if you're here in the carolinas um anything else before we get out of here guys i mean uh monty has trash quarterback takes Hey, I, I love you to death, Cody, but Justin <laughs> Herbert is 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 overrated, bro. Stop, <laughs> stop. Go back, to, go back to bed, bro. Hey, he got he got to win a playoff game or something. Like beat Pat Holmes once. Hey, something. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Something. It's, until we call this man the top three quarterback and and not have a playoff win, bro, I'm not I'm not having it, dog. I just, did, I he, did, did did Herbert take the Lamar Jackson like spot where people were trying to call him overrated till he won MVP and yeah, like he's, he's right there. <laughs> The three quarterbacks that you're that we're talking about that he's potentially better or, or that he's going to be in the argument of is either Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen, and he's not better than either one of those. So, so nah. Josh Allen might be a little overrated because he's he, Josh, uh, Allen, Josh, Allen, right now, Josh Allen is Cam Newton 2.0. Like he really is. I, like, he, there's no way you, I, to me is no way you think Justin uh, Justin Herbert isn't overrated, but then think Josh Allen is overrated. You know. Josh Allen is what two AFC championships back, uh, you know, consecutively. Like I, I just what I'm saying is this: is if you pull general managers right now, both Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are in their top three or four picks of quarterbacks that they would choose right now. I know this is off topic, but man, the reason why they went and got Kellen Moore, bro, Herbert's average depth of target last season was at the bottom of the NFL. All that arm talent that he has. His offensive coordinator didn't know how to use him. Wait, get back at me after this year, and let's have this Herbert discussion, and we'll see who ends up being right, bro. Okay, uh, I'm telling you. Al the sailor says Josh Allen is the white Cam Newton, but he doesn't. He ain't got the the drip. He doesn't dress like Cam. That's the the main. Nah, thing. Sure don't. You don't the have percentage. Yeah, they're about to say about fifty nine percent. Like they're pretty strong arms, almost like a fire hose, like. I see they run. I, I get all that, but well, yeah, Josh he, Allen he, might have the better completion percentage because he also has Stephon Diggs. Yeah, well, which is I mean, something that Cam Newton never had. No, nah, first, nah, first couple of years he had Steve Smith. Well, yeah, so, yeah, he had, he had Steve for two years, but I'm saying the back half of his career, bro, it was Cam Newton having to make magic. Yeah, yeah, and Josh Allen might have that here soon because apparently Stephon Diggs and him are not getting along. So we'll keep an eye on that too because <laughs> we get close to the That's season wild. uh as the, the bills get closer to the end of uh their proverbial super bowl window uh we're gonna get out of here uh we should be back next thursday live 10 30 a.m here on the keep pounding podcast network powered by the fans first sports network again make sure you pound that like button for us subscribe to the tobacco road sports radio youtube channel i believe it was close to going over 900 subscribers when i looked at it yesterday so definitely go hit that so you can get content and uh Alerts for not just this, but other shows that are on that network. Believe in Carolina Panthers, myself, Jonathan Stewart, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, 
uh, live sports talk here from North Carolina uh, on everything from ACC, basketball, football, uh, to WWE. Like literally a bunch of stuff here that you can check out uh, on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to that. For Monty and Cody, this is Des. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Embrace Debate. Keep pounding. Keep pounding.